Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Point Church. I also want to welcome those that are listening online as well. We want to glad to have you interact with us in that way, and also the listening to the podcast later. We're glad to have you engage in that. Thank you to Rachel and the team for leading us to worship, Tim, as well. Uh, so looking forward to this morning, looking uh, forward to spending some time with you, uh, looking at this idea of pause here a little bit this morning. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, in the end of October, our family had an uh, opportunity to take a trip up to the Finger Lakes. Uh, it's an area that I've never been to before, always heard that it's been beautiful and never, never been there. So we went up there. Of course, we got some advice from some people who have gone there, and Kevin Hackett was one of those, and, and I, I learned quickly that you'd never get advice from somebody who enjoys hiking like 50 miles a day kind of thing. That's not the person to get advice from when you're going on a relaxing trip. But yes, anyway, we went on this trip, and, and we, we did a lot of day trips out to see all these different waterfalls that they're kind of known for in that area, and we got to see them. They were beautiful. It was great, great time to be able to go out, relax, enjoy nature. It wasn't crowded. It was great. It was just a great time to get away uh, and see tons of different waterfalls. And yeah, what I did not know is that we'd be hiking and climbing about 4,537,000 steps in order to be able to see these grand things. And, and then only to find out once you get down there that there's a parking lot there that you probably could have just driven to, but no, we got to walk the whole way back up again. And then, no, you got to go a couple miles upstream because there's another fall up there that you got to go up and down and up and down. And yeah, great time, no, no bitterness there at all. Um, but it did lead to some spectacular views. We did have a wonderful time. Uh, it was a great time. We got to see Niagara Falls. We got to go on the boat and the Maiden of the Mist or whatever and get sleeted on. That was really nice. I uh, had a good time with that. And um, yeah, there was just, it was a beautiful time of the year. It was a beautiful time to get away and just see these magnificent waterfalls. Just a little bit of proof that I was there. Um, so yeah, we had a great time. But one of the things that surprised me is we were, we were up there. there. It was during a time where there wasn't a lot of water. There was a droughtish kind of feel. There, the streams, you could tell, had a lot of room for growth. And there was this, just a little streams, but yet it was amazing to see how these little streams could produce these large, seemingly large waterfalls. Now, I know that if we had been there at a different time, with those streams being higher, the waterfalls would even be bigger. But it was amazing how much it was magnified. How much this little stream all of a sudden coming over these rocks and over this drop was magnified, and not only by sight, but also by sound. That it was almost a deafening sound when you were like up close to these waterfalls. And I had to think about us in life, how we get into this rhythm of things, and it could even be like a small stream or a small season of life. But that rhythm of life, that small thing that just keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming, just creates this big waterfall. And how unnatural it is for that waterfall to just stop. How unnatural it is in our lives that we just feel this current going and going and taking us places. And it just feels unnatural to stop, just like a waterfall would just stop. It's like, this isn't right. It just has to keep going. And we find ourselves in this rhythm of just life, just keep going. And I don't know about you, but I, I find myself there a lot. And, and have you ever been in traffic and you're sitting at a red light and then it turns green, but you can't go because it's gridlock? You know that feeling that rises up within you of like, it's green. That means I'm allowed to go, but I can't. And there's something about this unnatural pause, this, this when we're forced to pause when we don't want to, that just creates this tension within us. 
Have you ever been in a discussion, we won't use argument because none of us argue because we're all Christians, we, there, it's a healthy discussion, and we're ha you know, have you ever been in a discussion and someone tells you to be quiet, to shh, to hold your horses? Have you ever been, there's something that rises up within you, you're like, no, I got a point to say, I want to say something that I don't want to pause in this moment. And young men, I want to give you some advice here this morning. If God ever provides for you a spouse in the future, and if you ever find yourself in one of these discussions, the words calm down, you know, just take a chill pill, you need to relax, don't use them. They don't work. And those, you know, and all married men can say amen. Amen, yeah. It's an unnatural pause. It's, it's something we fight against so much. It's something that we, we see as a tribulation that needs to be avoided somehow. That if we can get rid of waiting, you know, Amazon, it takes you, you know, two days. Why, you know, some things I get in one day. Why can't everything be in one day? We just, we, we, there's things that are just unnatural. And as waiting, we, we try to avoid, we try to push away in our lives. And there's certain times that we even recognize that, the, that we need pause. And that's, that's actually where I was at over the summer. I'm like, man, I haven't really taken time to pause and so, so what I did, and I, and I recognized that after a while, your axe gets dull kind of thing, and, you, and I found myself getting in that place where I need more rest, and I need a, a rhythm of rest and pause in my life, and that's what's missing. So what I did, what every good Christian does, the first thing I did was I Googled it, like how to pause, how to build that into a busy schedule, right? And then I bought a book um, called The Power of Pause off of Amazon, right? Because that's what we do. And, call, and the subtitle I love, Becoming More by Doing Less. Notice my, my heart's inclination was even like, I want to be more efficient down the road. Like, I want to be more. So, I'll, okay, I'll, go, I'll deal with the pause only if it provides me something that I can be more efficient in in the future. So, yes, I'll do that. That led me to a, a daily email that I signed up for that gives you a three-minute reflection time that you're supposed to do Every day, you get that email in your morning box, you check that out, you just go through that, and it's, I mean, this is, the, oh, this is going to be great, and I, I got to be honest with you, um, you know, I get these emails, I get this image, and you're supposed to sit there and like pause and reflect on God's goodness, and you're supposed to kind of, you know, uh, you read the verse, and then there's a prayer, and there's literally like three slides, and it's supposed to take like three minutes. Guys, I, I need to be honest, I've been doing this since like September, I would say 80% of the time I delete the email because I got other emails that I got to get to and I don't really need to do that right now. And, you know, I have the app on the phone. Maybe I'll do it later, but usually I don't even do it then. Or, or I have become so efficient at this three-minute exercise, I can do it in about 15 seconds because I've gotten good at it. I can, I can read the thing. Yeah, okay, God's been faithful. Yep, oh, there's the verse. Yeah, I remember that verse. That's a good verse. Oh, that's the prayer. That's a good prayer. Yeah, God, I'll pray that prayer. Okay, done. I, I paused, right? No, man. We, it is so unnatural for us. It's so unnatural for me to pause. And I believe there's even sometimes in life, and I know that there's sometimes in life, that even if we don't... Um, use the discipline of ourselves to, to pause that, that God kind of helps us out or life kind of helps us out with. 
Um, I think you can all agree with me. There's, there's times where we go through life, and, and maybe it's for you, it's uh, you're in this season of, of life is going well, this, you know, you, you got a job, you got kids, you got a marriage going on, you got all these things going on, and just life is going, and all of a sudden your boss calls you into his office and says, you know what, we're restructuring, we're reevaluating, and we need to let you go. And there's this pause of life of what do I do now? What is my career now? Where do I go from here? What do I do? Maybe for you, um, you're going along, career's going good, and you know you, you got your kids involved and everything, and you're taking them here, there, you're taking them there, you're taking them every place. You have this rhythm of life. You're helping them with Zoom on you know schoolwork and all that kind of stuff, and then you find out that there's something that's happening in their life that just causes you to pause. Something that just focuses your whole world on them all of a sudden. It's something that you are blindsided with and everything, blindsided by and everything else just fades away. Maybe you find yourself um, this morning even, career's going good, family's going good, life is going good, your marriage is going good, you kind of, you know, to habitate. Yeah, there's issues, there's always issues, right? But then all of a sudden your spouse comes and says, you know what, I don't know if I've loved you for the last couple of years. I, think, I want to talk about divorce. And all of a sudden, life pauses. Be out, outside of our control. Or maybe for you, everything has gone along well and everything is just cruising along. Your career has gone well. Your family has gone well. Your marriage has gone well. And all of a sudden, you get a doctor's call that the cancer is terminal. And life stops. And life just pauses for us. And you're left in a place where you know that you're out of control, that there's nothing you can do. And it leaves this place, we, I think one of the reasons we fight this place so much is because of that. We're so vulnerable in the depth of that pause. Because we know that we're outside of our abilities. We know that we're outside of the things that we can control, and we don't like that. And where that silence can be deafening at times. You know, and I think with silence, sometimes we, we try to avoid it. You know, we try to avoid that silence because it is so deafening. And maybe, I, I honestly, I, I've been in this place too. There's times where I don't want to be silent because I'm afraid, I'm afraid that God might ask me to do something or tell me something that I don't want to hear. And I'm, I'm beginning to sense it in my spirit, but I don't want to hear it. And so I keep myself busy. I keep myself into this waterfall of life and keep going. And I keep myself just in this rhythm because I don't want to pause because I know what he might tell me. And I don't know that I want to hear that. And we're afraid of the deafening sound of pause. We're afraid of that moment of vulnerability, of being in a place. Um, but here's something that I learned to be true in these moments in these seasons of God, either by our discipline that we retreat and, and willingly pause, or whether life brings us pause, here's a truth that I've found, is that you might learn about God in the pew, but you will know God in the silent pause. You might learn about God in the pew, and, and it's important for us, guys, it is extremely important for us to learn about God and to, to come and worship together, to read the Word, be in the Word all the time, to, to do all that, and we, we need to learn about God, but you will know God in the silent pause, in those moments where you are out of control, where you do not have the ability 
to pick yourself up, and you need to rely on God. And he will come through, and you'll see his sovereign provisions. You'll see his provisions for you, and in mighty ways. And that is what we can learn in these, these times where we find ourselves in the, in the power of, of being paused. I'd like to look at two scriptures this morning. The first one is in Exodus uh, 14. I invite you to turn to that. If you're listening online, you can click on the uh, uh, Bible there and, and go to that. Exodus 14, we're going to be jumping in around verse 10, but this is a very familiar story, and I'm, I'm going to set it up uh, for you a little bit, but I mean, it's a story that we've, we've all heard many times, and it's, it's the moment when the Israelites, God's chosen people, uh, have been in slavery, and you know, they are with, to the Egyptians, and they are finally allowed to go to the promised land. They're pro- finally allowed to, to leave, and, and actually, you know, through all the plagues, all the plagues that come, and, and Pharaoh's even like, get out, please, so I don't die. Like, just please go, and while you go, even take stuff along. So the slaves, the Israelites, actually end up plundering the Egyptians with all these things, and they're allowed to go out and go to the promised land. And, and God actually, through Moses, takes them to this place in the beginning of, of chapter 14, he takes them to this defenseless place. He says, you know, I want, I want you to lead the Israelites to this area. That's the Red Sea's in front of them, the mountains on either side of them. There's only one way in and one way out. And I want to, I want to do this because I, I want Pharaoh to know that I am Lord. I want the Egyptians to know that I am God. And he's going to think that you got confused and got lost. And he's, I'm going to harden his heart. He's going to come out to you. But I want to show myself to the Egyptians and the power to the Egyptians. And so we, we find these... Um, the Israelites in this very vulnerable place. They're in a place where they have no escape. And so let's start at verse 10 there. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Notice their, their pattern, their, the, the place that they're at. And I, I'm going to go a little touchy area here because I think we can see this even in the way that, that we're, some are responding to even the pandemic that we're in right now. Uh, this idea of something's not going the way that we want it to go. The first thing we do is we blame God. They cried out to God. Let's blame God. The second thing they did is they complained about the leader. You know, if they would do this and they would do that. And then they, then they play a victim card of like, well, I didn't even want this to begin with. I didn't want to, you know, pack up my camel and leave. All right, I was happy being a slave. Like, and they embellish facts. We're out here. We're going to die. We're just, you know, and like, no, you're not going to die, but it doesn't look good. But yeah, you're not going to die. I mean, they embellish facts. They, yeah. So anyway, uh, I just noticed a pattern there that I was like, yeah, that seems kind of a little familiar in the time that we're in. But I'm just, that's extra. You didn't even have to pay for that this morning. Um, but yeah, that uh, we find ourselves in, if we're all honest, we find ourselves in that place. When we don't see hope, we start pointing fingers. We, we all do. I'm not throwing any stones any direction other than myself in that. So they're in this place. They're in this time where everything is crashing down on them. They're in this place where the Egypt, they're surely going to die. Um, and this is what Moses says. Pick it up in verse 13. 
Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Can you imagine how unnatural that would have felt? These are warrior people. These are people that do train for battle. They know hand-to-hand combat. And the, the enemy is approaching. Your family is there. All your life is there. Everything is there. And, and your leader is saying, you know what? God will fight for us. All you need to do is be still. Can you imagine how unnatural that pause would have felt? But pause does this. Pause and stopping, whether we intentionally do it or whether it's unintentional, whether it's kind of brought on us, it gets us to this place where you know that there's nothing you can do, and it's only him that can pull you through. You get to this vulnerable spot where there is nothing that you can do, and it's only him that can pull you through that. And guys, guess what? Sometimes it's not all about you. God did this. God set this up. Sure, the Israelites were, you know, they wrote songs about it. They were excited. They saw the hand of God. It did, it did um, pump them up. They were, you know, hey, it renewed their faith in their, their, their leaders and, and who they were. But the reason God did this, if you go back to verse 4, the reason God this, did this was to show his power to the enemy, show his power to the Egyptians, to Pharaoh. And sometimes in our lives, we look at things and we're like, okay, God, what are you teaching me? God, what are you showing me? We can't quite grasp hold of it. Maybe it's not even about you. Maybe he wants to show his glory through you. He wants to come through in a way that only he can come through, that others around you can see and say, wow, God is amazing because I knew that Greg can't do that. And yet God did, and he gets the glory. And he gets that. And that's the power of being in this vulnerable place where, where we know that we can't do it. But it's only him that can pull you through. I invite you also to turn to Psalms 46. Um, we, I want to look there a little bit at a little different use of, of pause. Um, something that, that we might not have, you know, t- we talk about a lot here. It's a different, little different angle here at looking at pause in our lives. And I want to read to you actually in all of Psalm 46. So if you're there, that's, that's awesome. Let's um, see what we have here. I want to read this. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come and see the works of the Lord, 
the desolations he brought to the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. We see this term Selah being used in Scripture, but not in the verses that we normally read. And it's, it's believed that it is a musical term that basically means pause, stop, think about it, reflect. Before you go on to the next verse, pause, stop. And this happened during Davidical worship. And David was, was exuberant with his worship with God. He believed that there was a great God and he deserved great worship. And he, you know, he had written songs, and in, in, in part of their worship, you know, they would have songs that are super, really quiet, and as the deer pant for the waters, to tunes called To the Tune of the Destroyer. Uh, this is where heavy metal got its foundation, guys. So if you listen to that, I'm, I'm giving you some, you know, room to go here. There was deep laments of crying out to God, and then there was these exuberant praises with 120 trumpets and clashing cymbals and dancers and all this. There was such variety, and David understood understood how music can be used, how repetition can be used. In Psalms 136, you know, his love endures forever. It gets repeated like 26 times. He knew how to use repetition. He knew how to use pause. Let's stop. Let's think about it. It's, there's times where it's believed that, that the instruments would just keep playing and they would just kind of think about it for a little bit or there would just be silence. But it was written into the music. It was part of the author's content of like, before you move on, before you rush on, before you just keep going, pause, stop, think about it. And we, we see this even in our contemporary worship, our contemporary hymn writers today. Uh, we see there's times where the, the band will just kind of keep on playing and, and, and not sing and just leave some time there. And it's not because we forgot the words most of the time. It's, it's an intentional thing to be like, whoa, whoa, before we rush on. Let's, let's, let's pause. And there's times where the repetition is used. You know, Waymaker, you know, that is who you are. That is who you are. If you're just an intellectual worshiper, you're like, My, I got that. Let's, let's, what's the next one? Move on, move on, move on. Here we go. Let's rush, let's rush. Let's rush. It's, it's written in not because they forgot more words or they didn't want to write more words. It's an intentionality to say that is who you are. That is who you are. That, that is who you are. It's an intentionality to make you stop and pause and think about it before you just rush on to the next thing. And we see that today. And David did this well. He also had worship that was around 24-7. It was around, you know, just like it is in heaven kind of thing, around the throne, just 24-7, just worship because he believed God is great. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but Gateway uh, House of Prayer up in Ephrata has been following this model of 24-7 of worship, of having worship going on 24-7. They have about, I think it's about 17 churches that help out and come in and lead worship uh, during those times. And they have it 24-7. They've been doing this the last 12 years uh, where they've had worship 24-7 following David's model. And I think that's pretty cool. But he understood the importance of uh, repetition, of pause, of stopping. And guys, it's more than just stopping and just getting in our nothing box for those men. You know what I'm talking about? Women, that doesn't exist, but just not thinking. It's not just, you know, a passive, just, I'm just going to like just veg here. Uh, this is a very intentional pause. It's reflecting back. It's, it's thinking of God. It's, it's saying, God, I'm, I'm letting go. 
because I can't hold on anymore anyway. I recognize I'm not in control, so I'm just letting go. It's being present in the moment. Another thing I'm really horrible at, I like to plan ahead. Christmas, guys, for me, it's done. You know me, it's always been done, but it's, it's done. I'm, I'm thinking, what do we do in the spring? Like, we're already, you know, and I, and I miss the moment. And that's what pause does. That's what pausing, that's what sila does. It, it's, it's stop. Think about it. Reflect on God's faithfulness. Before you move on, before you rush on, be in the moment, be intentional, pause, be still and know that he is God. Meditate on his faithfulness, his goodness, and most, maybe even most importantly, how he sees you. How he sees you. Not as the world sees you, not as you feel, as, but how God sees you. Allowing time to get out of that waterfall and pause and reflect. We live, no doubt, in an unprecedented time. Winston Churchill has a quote. It says, never let a good crisis go to waste. Never let a good crisis go to waste. And we're in this, guys. We're in a weird season, all right? We're entering a holiday season probably like none other than any of us have been through. Where we're, we're forced to do things differently and to pause more than we want to pause. Let's, how can we be intentional about that? Instead of trying to rush back into normal, how can we sila? During this time, how can we pause and be intentional and say, God, what are you teaching us as a church at Grace Point in this time? What are you teaching me about myself during this time? How I'm reacting, what I'm getting into. There's a question that we've been asking around here during this season, challenging you with, and that's the question that I want to challenge with you this morning. Who am I becoming? In this season, it's unprecedented where we're being forced to pause. It's unnatural. We're pushing against it. Who am I becoming during this time? What is this revealing about me? What is this revealing about us as a church? Us as a church in the nation, us, us, us as a nation. What is this revealing about me during this time? Is the noise of all this life choking out our spiritual life? How is our legacy building? Older generation, I want to talk to you, and I don't, I don't know, as I get older, that, that I seem to, like, I'm not sure what the older generation is, because I, I feel like, anyway, if you feel like you're in that, you're in that. Um, you spent a lot of years building your legacy, and a lot of you have built a wonderful, wonderful legacy. And, and I don't want you to lose it during this time, the legacy, your voice during this time. What am I becoming through this? How am I responding in this? Am I responding in love? How am I loving my family? How am I loving my kids? How am I loving my neighbor? How am I loving those in my church? How am I loving others during this time? What am I do, becoming during this time? Selah gives this opportunity for us to recognize how awesome our God is, that we're not in control, and that he is, and it's his sovereign hand that leads us. Let us pray. Dearly Father, I thank you for pause, even though we push against it. We don't like the vulnerability it creates in our hearts. It feels unnatural, like a waterfall stopping. 
But we, Lord, we know that it's in these times that we really get to know you. We get to see your hand in a fresh way. And although it's a scary, vulnerable place to be, we trust in you because you are a sovereign God. We believe that nothing happens outside of your hands and you're working all things together for our good. And Lord, use our stories for your glory. Use our lives as a light on a city hill. Let us yield to your hand in this time. Let us be honest and be aware and intentional and pausing, reflecting on your goodness and your faithfulness to us in the past, becoming more and more like you. Give us the power and the strength to do that, Lord, the willingness to step into that spot, Lord. Thank you for being a God who is so faithful, who blesses us beyond what we deserve. Thank you for being such a loving, loving God. It's in Jesus' name I pray.